From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. The only people who care about guns and the Second Amendment are good old boys, right? Well, maybe in years past, but today gun advocates are a highly diverse group. In fact, there's a group called the DC Project, founded by women. The DC Project seeks to preserve America's gun culture because they believe that gun rights are, in fact, women's rights. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Amanda Suffolk, Southeast Regional Director for the DC Project and a nationally syndicated 2A radio host with IonTheTargetRadio.com. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Amanda, it seems like you and I have known each other for a very long time, and I'm always amazed at how busy you are. I mean, you host the Eye on the Target radio, you're a firearms instructor, you're well known for putting on all of these concealed carry fashion shows across the country, and now you're involved with the DC Project. Where exactly are you finding the energy for that, and where can I buy some? <laughs> oh, wait, we, we don't talk about that. <laughs> So no, for, for me, the, the thing is, is that doing what you love is really, is really what life is about. And so firearms and firearms education, and then the message that the DC project has. And um, so, so I just don't watch TV. <laughs> I don't do sports. I don't watch TV. And my hobbies revolve around um, all of the great people within the gun industry. So that's kind of where... That's kind of where it all comes from. Well, I guess cutting out TV, that probably adds about six to eight hours a day. <laughs> well, right? they make me um, go to work every day. So. Well, I mean, if you look at the statistics on how on how much TV people watch, especially young people, I mean, it, it can reach six, eight hours a day or more. It's, it's pretty staggering. Right. Well, it gives you it gives you back a lot of stuff to do. You know, I'm a I, I am a reader and I love to listen to podcasts and I love I love to know what other people are doing so that we can copy it or mirror it or, or um, change it or work with it. And so that's kind of my entertainment. So for the DC project, and, and that's why you're here to talk about that. I, I've always thought this was kind of interesting. Take us back to the beginning. How did the DC project begin and what's it really all about? Well, it began with, uh, with our founder, Diana Muller. And she was in D.C. and there was some kind of crazy law that they were talking about. And she was talking to to one of the, what do they call them, a gold star wife? Um, Jane Horton, whose husband had been killed and they were, he had been killed in, I think it was Afghanistan. But anyhow, they were talking about what could they do? And so it just turned into going and talking to your legislators and having them see well-spoken professional women who are standing for the second amendment, have them see that instead of, if you will, bearded guys wearing plaid shirts that say my guns. 
And so, so, and, so that, and, I, and I'm sitting here wearing a plaid shirt. So, and I haven't shaved in a few days. So thanks for that. I'm just saying it, it really is a stereotype that, that was really easy for our elected officials to, to kind of ignore, you know, Oh, that's, that's that. And so when, when we go, it, it just changes the narrative a little bit. So about five years ago, Diana Muller called me and um, it was really funny because both of us were in the running for this crazy um, TV show that they wanted to do uh, like a, one of the real life documentary kind of things. And they're going to follow you around with a camera for three months of your life. And, and they decided at the end that both Diana and I were too boring because they wanted a crescendo at the end of the show. And we're like, we're gun people. A crescendo is a bad thing. I can't even imagine a crescendo that would. What be- what 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 is a crescendo? I mean, like like a like you're going to get into a mud pit and fight. I mean, some what- kind of cliffhanger that ends with something that that is right. I don't know something. And yeah, it it just wasn't. So they told us we were too boring. So that's how Di and I both met. And so she asked me to go to D.C. And I'm I'm like, okay. Uh, well, it actually started with me saying, you know, I'm pretty busy. I don't know that I can. Let me see if I can find you somebody in the state of Ohio. And, but, and thanks very much for thinking of me. And then my brother and, and my radio partner, he looked at me and he's like, are you out of your mind? You know, you call her back and you tell her that you'll do it. And you figure out something else that you're going to stop doing if you don't have time, because this is important. And he was right. And, the cool part was, is that getting involved in the DC project has probably been one of the milestones in my life and a life-changing thing because it's the interaction with these amazing driven women who are doing, doing things across the country that you could not even imagine. And each one's got their own area of expertise and their own specialty and the differences that they are making just on their own is pretty, pretty darn amazing. And then when you put them together for the DC project, you can't really imagine what 50 type A personalities in the same room is like. But last year we went to well, DC. Actually, I can't imagine that. I mean, because <laughs> anyone involved in the gun world, uh, I mean, everybody's type A, like type triple A is, exactly. is what it really is. <laughs> exactly. So when we went to DC, not last year because COVID. But in 2019, we were there for three days to talk to our elected officials and we had 132 office meetings. Wow. I mean, you, you, you mean like 132 different legislators you talked to? Exactly. Yes. 132 different ones. And there was a, a big stack of that was actually the elected official and not just a staffer or not just somebody in the office, but the elected official to sit down and talk to us. Do you think that it makes a difference that it's women doing it rather than guys doing it? I mean, aside from the stereotype of, you know, Elmer Fudds and, and all of that, is it just, is it a communication thing or, or what's the dynamic? Cause it seems like there, there may be some difference there. I think I, I honestly believe that what opens the door is the uniqueness that it's a novelty. We'll play it. We'll, we'll go with it. I mean, whatever it is that opens the door, we're using it. Um, but I think that that's really it. And then once they start to hear the messages, and Di is brilliant. When we go, we there's four or five women t- that go together in a team 
to each of these meetings. And so what happens is the legislator gets to hear from like Ohio and Pennsylvania and Illinois and Indiana all together as, as we go. And we'll hit those states worth of things. So somebody from Ohio can tell a story that the Illinois guy just can't even imagine and vice versa. And so, so that's a, that's a piece of the dynamic. And then Di tries to put different women's personalities so that it just shows the broad spectrum of who we are so that there's trainers and there's potentially police officers and there's competitive shooters. And then there are a group of gals who were victims of violent crime who then chose that a firearm for self-defense is a necessary tool for their lives. And so they go in and they, they tell their story. And it is really, really hard with the exception of one Illinois legislator, it's really hard to be rude to them. And it's really hard to tell them you can't feel the way you feel. And so it, it opens doors in a way that I don't think you can by being big and burly and masculine. I think that that's well, kind of the secret sauce. And, and that's always the advantage that the anti-gun side has had, right? Because we tend to rely on facts and statistics and we make arguments and it's all verbal but on the other side, it's, it tends to be very emotional and guys just aren't really good at that. They're, they're not going to, you know, here's, here's the way I feel, you know, there, it's more of a, you know, I'm right, darn it. And, you know, they kind of get in your face and, and that doesn't, that doesn't work generally. Right. I mean, you guys, there's a whole different F word that you'd rather say than feel, I mean, it just oh, whoa, whoa. Like, okay. This is, this is a, this is a PG rated podcast, Amanda. I'm Jeez. not saying it, but no, if you get my, like, just most guys, they would rather go to the dentist and then have all their fingernails pulled out than to talk about their feelings. It just isn't in your DNA. And so, so, so there is, there's a piece of that. And let me tell you, there's some, some of us, I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not a big I mean, I'm, I'm so analytical. I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. And so I'm analytical. So they've actually had to teach me to, to take the data and take the facts and, and turn them into a memorable story so that people can get it. And so when I'm researching data, I'm also looking for people to support that data, how that is and what the story is and what the circumstance is. And it's a, it's a new learning curve for me in being able to tell that story. But after they started to teach me that, if you watch whenever the president does one of the big, um, the big State of the Union things, they pull out people, they hold them up, and then they tell their story so that you can, you can be emotional about those things. And that's, I think that's, one of, that's the recipe for that. And, and those are the only times when both sides of them of the chamber applaud, right? Right. Because uh, otherwise it's one side or the other side and then they bring out a veteran and, every, and then, you know, the Democrats grudgingly stand up and applaud. Uh, <laughs> well, most of them. So is this, so it, so this is a women's organization, but that, that prompts me to ask, is this something anyone can join uh, or is it, is it that kind of an organization, like a membership organization? Um, we are not like a dues paying or a dues paying membership organization. You can go to dcproject.info and sign up to get a newsletter to understand what's going on. But we urge women from all the 50 states to join us and become part of their state organization in a way to where when somebody goes, 
I mean, my state's Ohio. So when they go to Columbus, the all the gals that are in Ohio have an opportunity to say, oh, we're going to Columbus. What's what's happening? Do we need an audience? What how much support do you need? And let's show up in in numbers. And so that's part of that's part of it. And we've started to do teal for 2A. And if you look or as you look at the um, Professional Outdoors Women's Writers Association, the Women's NRA group, and a few of the others, they all have some shade of that aqua teal color. And so it's a real uniform, unifying color that all of the Second Amendment women are wearing. And so teal for 2A is kind of the, the line. So when you start to see, because there's the demanding mommies are so successful in their red shirts that, um, that we're going to steal something from their playbook and we're going to have teal for 2A. So, so how are you organized? It's, this is a national project but you're, you're saying this comes down to the state level. So are you having meetings at the state level or how does that work? So we've got, we've got closed Facebook pages for the state level. And then we, then we have uh, zoom meetings, that type of a thing. So the real structure is, is that we've got a state leader in all of the States. And those are the gals who go to Washington DC to talk to their legislators. Then we have, then we have district leaders to try to herd together a dozen state leaders, that, that structure. And, um, and then once we get to the state level, our goal is, is to have a gal from each one of the Senate districts. So that should we need to have somebody who is a, a specific constituent of a specific member that they, they can, and they will be there to be able to discuss things. So you do advocacy on the national level, going right into the swamp, talking to legislators, but but you're also at the state level. And we're you're- just, just breaking into the state level. So we started it in, in the year of COVID. But yeah, that's that's really the intent is to, to show that po- all politics starts local. It starts real local and understanding that portion of it and communicating there. And part of it is working with the state organizations that are already there. We don't want to recreate the wheel. We want to, you know, I I think partner is probably too harsh of a word, but we want to be extremely friendly to and supportive of those state organizations who do all the heavy lifting and be a resource to them. So I was looking on your website and there's a reference to mothers being first responders. And I, I thought that was, I, I think I sort of understand it, but, but explain it, make your mansplain it to me so that I, so that I, as I'm sitting here in my plaid shirt with the beard, explain what, what that hey, means. Folks, Mother, think, mothers being first responders. You think he took offense? What do you think? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not offended. And I'm, it's my favorite shirt. So no, I honestly, I think what happens in a lot of cases is, is the, you know, go to the, have you ever heard Robin Sandoval give her explanation of fighting like a mama bunny? Sure. So that we are soft and cuddly and, you know, generally not a threat at all. But when you come after us, you come after our family we are going to fight tooth and nail, whatever it takes. And that's really what we're talking about. And if you haven't heard Robin Sandoval do the, the fight like, like a mama bunny, look up her speech. And it was at, um, 
It was at GRPC in 2019. And, and it is an amazing story. It's about a video of a mama bunny where a, a snake tried to come into the uh, nest and take her baby and the fighting that she did to protect it. And it really draws a visual. And that's sort of, that's sort of what we think we are, is we don't want to fight. But when you push us, if we have to, we will. And when we do, we'll fight with every ounce of energy that we have in our being. Do you think, I mean, going back to the, you know, men versus women sort of thing, do you, do you think that this is just a, a matter of um, women having a certain different perspective that men do when they're, because guys think of self-defense, but it, it you know, we're, we're really gearheads, you know, we, it's all about, mm-hmm. you know, the gun and the trigger and doing the modifications and what kind of ammo and the ballistic test, you know, we get really nerdy. It's sort of like gun porn, you know, that we get the magazines and we look, oh, that looks so cool. Uh, right. I mean, but but is this more of like an instinctual thing that maybe really makes women just have a better instinct for what self-defense is really all about and protecting your family and so on? No, I think I, I think there's a, a couple things. And let's start with a car analogy instead of a gun analogy. So when you guys buy a car you know, you're looking at horsepower and you're looking at gear ratios and you're looking at tire size and you're, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And you're like, look at that, you know, it's got the Hemi and and we're looking at it going, wow, it's a nice color. And look at the interior and look how good we look in it. Right. We're getting the same car, taking us to the same place, yet we shop for it completely differently. That, That is hilarious because you've just described the conversation my wife and I had when we were getting a car, it was like, I was talking about all these things and her only question was, well, what color is it? I want to make sure I can find it in the parking lot. <laughs> I think it's, I, it's, that's how my husband and I are, you know, we, I, 30, 30 or some years of marriage. I've gotten to where I get him to narrow it down to three and then I get to pick the one that's my car, right? That's how, that's how it is. So that way three that don't offend him in all the gear ratio stuff. And then, then I'll pick one. Right. But but that, I think that that really kind of talks about how, how we are with, with guns. And then, then when you go into the mechanical part, for a lot of women, and I'm not saying all, but for a lot of women, the mechanical aspects of it are somewhat foreign. So they're looking for how does it fit and how does it feel and how can I get to it? And frankly, when we carry, it's a whole lot more trouble to decide how to carry and where to carry and how it fits and how it fits in our clothing. And men are pretty much straight up and down. And so when you put a gun, whether you put it in an appendix or you put it at four o'clock, it, you put it in and it's there. Women, they've got curves and those curves cause your gun to stick in, stick out, poke you, you know, do all kinds of other things. And so all of those decisions are, are just different. They're, you know, they're not, neither is right or wrong, but it is all, it's all based around our life experiences and what's going on. And then you talk about the safety aspect for, you know, most of the time you're not going to think twice about walking into a parking lot that's slightly dark or by parking your car, you know, a quarter mile away from where you have to go. And we stop to think, okay, when we come back, are we going to be alone? Are we going to be with somebody? What's the neighborhood like? What, what's going to happen? You know, there's all of these kinds of things. We've probably to a woman, there has been a spot where you have been scared 
about some kind of circumstances for your own personal safety. And most of the time, it's never it's never come to fruition. It's never turned into anything. But you went home going, wow, that was that was scary. That was close. That was something. So when we decide how we're defending ourselves, that's a piece of it. I, I'm going to have to push back on the on the curvy thing because as guys get older, trust me, we get more curvy. Okay, uh, so I'm I'm probably about thirty pounds more curvy than I should be right now, and I'm I'm just saying, you know, so it it, it does become a problem. But but talking about talking about guns, I know that uh, you know one thing a lot of instructors say is that women very often, not always, but very often make better students because they come in with fewer ideas that they picked up from TV and from movies and all that. They don't have the bad habits that guys already have. And very often they very quickly make pretty good shooters because they pick up those lessons very quickly. Is that your experience? Well, yeah. I mean, my, my brother, my partner says, you know, women haven't watched three John Wick movies and decided that they're now an expert. So, you know, but, but it, it's a little bit of that. I mean, because I, I watched Dirty Harry too. Okay. okay. So uh, it's not just John Wick. It's not just John Wick, but no, it, it, you know, it's a, it's, and, and this is so sexist and I don't, I don't mean it to be by any means, but you guys think, you know, you're guys, you can drive a stick shift, ride a motorcycle, run a chainsaw and shoot a gun. Those are all in your DNA. I, I can do right? all of those things in my plaid shirt. <laughs> your yeah. plaid shirt. Yeah. So I can do them all also, but I have to have a smaller chainsaw because I don't have the arm strength. And I have to, I have to sh- shift myself on my motorcycle seat so that I, I could steer it, you know, but there's some, there's, but it's, it is part of that. Women will, they make better students in my opinion, because they know they don't know. So if people want to get involved with uh, the DC project, what, what do they do? Well, there's a couple different ways to be involved and, and so one of them is to go to the dcproject.info, sign up to get information. You'll sign up. If you're the male persuasion, you get on the newsletter. If you're the female persuasion, they're going to ask you if you want to get involved. Then if financially you're in a position to support the DC Project, because we take 50 women to DC, we put them up in hotels, we feed them, we, you know, we're trying to make it so that they, it's not a financial burden to them to, because they're already taking vacation, taking time away from their families. But for the last five years, it has been on our own time, on our own dime to DC. And for some of the gals, I mean, the further, the further West those States are, it gets to be a pretty big bill for them to be there. And so we, we're trying to do some fundraising and offset some of those costs. So um, we've got we've got some merchandise on the website. We've got a, a donate button, and so we we very much welcome you know any kind of support in that manner also. And then if there's if you've got resources in a way to where you think that you could help us host a fundraiser or some kind of an event where it would draw either attention or um, some kind of financial drawback to the organization, then reach out to us. But those, those are kind of the steps. Those are kind of the pieces. So the website is dcproject.info? Correct. Okay. And so, or you can just Google the DC Project. I think it comes up pretty reliably when you do that. Well, Amanda, this has really been fascinating. 
Um, I, I promise you after this podcast, I'm going to go change my shirt. I, I, it's not all plaid, a lot of plaid, but not all plaid. I'll, I'll change my shirt, but it was really great having you here. I hope to have you back sometime and, uh, good luck with the DC project and all the other stuff you do. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And anytime I would love to come back. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code podcast to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.